Welcome to the Holistic Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle. Each week I will be speaking with thought leaders and entrepreneurs that think outside the box. This is a space to empower, inspire, and motivate you on your own journey. So my name is Renee, Renee Bells, and I'm here with my sister, Lauren. Um, we are the Biohacker Babes. So we uh, joined forces a couple of years ago to create the Biohacker Babes podcast, and it's been a fun adventure as sisters. Yeah, and it's not, it's not just the, the podcast that you do, is that you kind of, you create a lot of services in this area around biohacking for women. Yeah. I'll let Lauren jump in. <laughs> yeah. So we're each uh, health coaches, nutrition coaches. Uh, so we do a lot of one-on-one we've done some group stuff and, uh, it's just really important to us that we have personalization in this space. So on our show, we like to delve into a wide variety of topics, but when it comes down to health, it's really like a one-on-one, um, personalized approach. So that is what we are super passionate about. I really love your story as well. The fact that you're brought up in this environment and you're both sisters <laughs> and you're creating this sisterhood um, community. Um, so can you just tell us a bit about your upbringing, how you kind of got into this in the first place? Sure. So we were brought into it a little bit by our parents, our dad, who we call the OG biohacker, He is a holistic biological dentist and my mom is a, uh, dental hygienist. And, you know, they both are really interested in all things health. When we were younger, my dad had all kinds of funky biohacking devices around the house. So we were just exposed as kids before we knew the power of biohacking. It was just kind of ingrained in us to be curious and to experiment like that N of one experiment, just trying things, knowing that there are so many possibilities out there for our genetic potential. So, you know, we tried things, we, we weren't quite sure what they were and kind of thought they were silly and, and weird, but as we got older, we came back around and realized, Oh, okay. Dad, dad had a lot of cool things and he really knew what he, so we came back into it out of our own curiosity. And that's kind of the through line is just curiosity to learn more and to not take no for an answer. Renee and I have both had our own journeys of, of burnout and different health challenges. And I I think the insight there is that doctors don't always know your body the best, you know, your body the best. And if we continue to answer, uh, to ask questions and just to be curious, then I, I, you know, the sky is the limit. Yes. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you. I think that the holistic approach to health and life in general is the way forward. And I think what you've created is really important because it's it's creating more acknowledgement around this area and around these subjects so yeah (laughs) can you just tell us a bit a general overview about biohacking what it involves just so if people have never heard of it before just to give them some kind of idea or example Yeah, I'll jump in with that. Yeah, I think biohacking, it can mean so many different things, but at the end of the day, I think it's really anything you do to improve your biology. So I think anything that's part of a health and wellness practice can, I would consider biohacking. 
And that can be something as simple as a free biohack, like getting outside and putting your feet on the earth, which is grounding or earthing, or it can be using something like an aura ring to track your heart rate variability and your sleep data, or maybe even injecting peptides and stem cells, right? I mean, there's such a broad range of things that we can do all the way from the free biohacks to like the fun more expensive tech and gadgets and things. But at the end of the day, it's anything that's improving your biology. So our goal as the biohacker babes is really to empower everyone to feel like they can be their own biohacker. Because as Lauren said, there's no doctor out there that is ever going to have enough time in the world to know your body as much as you know your body. And so when you are the biohacker, you are learning everything you can about your health and wellness your body inside and out, you know, what foods to eat, what exercise to do, what sleep you need, what gadgets help you the most. Right. So when you really know your body, you can be empowered. You can take responsibility and take charge of your health. And that's, what's going to increase your health optimization, longevity, health span, all of these things that I think most of us are trying to achieve. And I don't, I'm not trying to put traditional medicine down. Like, of course there's a place for that, but I think for some of us that have had health challenges, like Lauren briefly mentioned. I mean, I was really sick in my twenties. I had chronic fatigue, uh, traditional medicine couldn't figure out what was wrong. Cause all they did was run a simple blood test. And that was not enough. I had to look much deeper and that's where the biohacking and more holistic health and medicine came in. And I was able to put all the puzzle pieces together and, and heal my own body. Um, so I think, yeah, that's kind of how I got to where I am today with that. But yeah, I think biohacking can mean so many things and probably everyone listening is a hacker already. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and how about you, Lauren? Do you, what do you would say biohacking means to you? I think it's having a, a growth mindset and a curiosity to keep, to keep learning for life and uh, knowing that you have your own puzzle and that it's not going to look like anyone else's. I think we're all hardwired to look for that quick fix. Even when we say that we're not, even when we say that we're willing to put in the work, you know, it, it would feel good to have one thing that is like the magical solution. And so I think it makes health really tricky because as holistic health, functional health, biological health, all becomes more accessible and mainstream. I mean, the average client is just so much more educated than they used to be. It really puts kind of a lot of pressure on not only the practitioner, but also on the client to really do their due diligence and have discernment because, you know, information can be really dazzling and, and something can work for one person and, you know, they could light up when they talk about it and it could be life-changing. It doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. And I think we can very easily kind of get sucked into that narrative, but I think there always has to be a pause and say, okay, what is the, the takeaway from this? What is it? Like, what's the mechanism mechanism of action? What were the root causes here? Like what's underneath that narrative that, that caused this outcome? Because what's on the surface is not necessarily going to be your answer. It's what's, what's underneath. So it's, I think a lifelong decision to keep searching, keep seeking, keep asking questions and know that even if you do find the answer, your, your perfect puzzle piece, it may change tomorrow. It could change at the end of the year and a couple of years, like our, our bodies are dynamic. And I think that's so beautiful. And so I think that's a huge part of biohacking is just really creating this intimate relationship with your own physiology and your health 
so that you can make those changes when necessary, rather than going to the internet for an answer or hiring a, a health coach and, and seeking the answers because Renee and I are health coaches, nutrition practitioners. We're not going to have all the answers for you. We have the resources and the tools and strategies to sort through all of the information and the data. And we're really good at kind of helping to put those pieces together, but no one knows you like you. And so that's the beauty of being your own biohacker. And that's really our mission is to empower you to be your own biohacker because that's where the answers are. Yeah. And do you think a lot of it has got to do with self-trust within like trusting your own body? Because I think yeah. people become so disconnected with our own bodies. They don't almost trust that their body can, they can heal themselves. Absolutely. And we talk a lot about this on the show, like just developing your own intuition. And it's funny, I think like intuitive eating seems to be becoming popularized all of a sudden, but it's not that easy. It's like not easy at all, but it's true. Like if you can learn to trust your body, I think there's a lot of innate communication that you can listen to innate wisdom. And I know Renee has lots to say on this as well, that Uh, Just simple things like a lot of us have been conditioned to think that saturated fat is bad. Well, it's not great for everyone, but it's really good for some people. And so let's experiment. Let's look at your genetics. Let's look at your blood work. Let's pen to paper, take a journal and just write about how you're feeling before, during, after a meal. We can collect a lot of information and then trust that information because, because it comes from within, not from Google or a friend or, you know, popular advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think using some of the data to back up your intuition can be helpful for people. So like you said, using genetics or whatever. Um, and I personally don't do well with saturated fat, but when that like bullet diet craze was going out, everyone was doing like the high fat, the butter coffee and stuff. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm on board with this healthy fats. And I'd be drinking that stuff all day and I would have brain fog. But I think with all the caffeine and the coffee, obviously I was still going and I was like, oh yeah, I feel good. I feel good. And I think I was trying to convince myself. And then (laughs) I ran my genetics and my genetics came back like multiple genetic variants that say that I don't do well with saturated fat. And I was like, oh, okay. So I cut that out. I really minimized saturated fats, like especially the coconut oil, a lot of the bacon and the butter and things. And my brain fog started to go away. So I think sometimes we need that confirmation from the labs or whatever, you know, wearable tech that you have just to say, oh yeah, I think I was feeling that. But now that I see it with the numbers, it clarifies it and just makes it so clear that that's what you need to do. And I think there's so many different aspects of not just nutrition, but sleep and stress, all these other things that we can look at. Um, And then over time you do build up that intuition and I think you start to trust it more and more, but give yourself the time to get there that's really interesting and I really like that it's like confirming your intuition because I think a lot of time in life you have this niggling thought or feeling about something and you ignore it but this is kind of like yeah you should have trusted that (laughs) yeah I see that with um especially like food sensitivity testing a lot clients will come to me and they're like I have a feeling I don't do well with eggs. I just have a feeling. And so we run a panel and sure enough, like eggs will be off the charts for like an IgG. And I'm like, see, you, you already knew it. But now that they see the labs come back, now they will officially cut eggs out. I mean, that's just one food, for example, obviously, but um, 
yeah, people have it. It's built in. Yeah, that's super interesting. It's like just learning how to trust your body and a natural rhythm, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I think we just have so much noise going on in the world, especially, um, I mean, Lauren can maybe speak to this, like in, in more of a masculine run world, you know, a lot of as women are trying to keep up with that. And I think in that trying to keep up, we kind of forget how to listen to our body. And then there's also actually like environmental toxins. Like I think all the EMFs and the radiation things that are not making us grounded to the earth. Mm-hmm. I think those kind of make it harder to listen to the body too. Mm-hmm. So getting in nature, sometimes just go out, put your feet on the earth, go for a walk in nature. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your body will tell you magical things. When yeah. That happens. Mm-hmm. yeah. I a hundred percent agree with this. And um, so yeah, that leads really nicely onto my next question, which is how biohacking can support women in today's culture. Because I know, like you mentioned, we are very much in a male dominated world where women feel like they have to keep up um, with this, but obviously our bodies are different, we react different. Um, so how, how can biohacking support women? Yeah, so the big difference here is hormonal changes throughout the month. So women have a change in estrogen and progesterone over a an average of a 28 day cycle, men don't have this. So there's a lot we can do with dietary lifestyle exercise strategies to match the rise and fall of estrogen first half of the cycle, the rise and fall of progesterone second half of the cycle. And I think this is really helpful when we bring in kind of the mental emotional component of taking away the shame, guilt, all those feelings that women tend to experience quite often. especially like the week before your period, when those cravings kick in, which we know are just, you know, they feel really vicious and, you know, and then we give in and we feel like we have no willpower and then we feel bad. And it's just like an opportunity every month to just feel bad about yourself, but we need to eat a little bit more right before our periods. We need to eat a little bit more carbohydrate for that progesterone. So this is actually our body telling us what it needs. So there comes like the intuition piece but our society has taught us to not listen to that. <laughs> and, and so it's kind of a, con, it's conflicting signals there. So biohacking for women really leading into the cycle syncing. So we have some variability throughout the month, which not only supports our hormones, but also is going to support this diet variability and adaptation, which is how like as a human species, we really survive it's adaptation. So we don't want to do the same thing every day. The body kind of like goes on snooze, snooze mode and kind of turns off. So we want the stimulus to change. We want the inputs to change. And so cycle syncing is a beautiful way to do that for cycling women. Now, of course that changes, uh, perimenopause, postmenopausal, but there are still some things that we can do that are different and specific to that age range and hormonal status. And then for men, of course, they don't have the rise and fall of progesterone, but if you have a partner that you want to support you through this, they could follow that too. Um, I think the end goal is just the diet variability. We want to have the changes and, you know, that's kind of like a, (laughs) a complex, um, equation. There's so much that goes into that between macronutrients, micronutrients, exercise, sleep, um, fasting, not fasting. (laughs) So we could go into that a little bit more, but I think it's, it's in general, just an opportunity to continue to give us 
give our bodies ways to adapt. Mm-hmm. And what do you think about rest? Because I feel like as women, we do need to have a certain amount of rest, but we feel guilty or shameful if we rest, basically, and we're not yeah. always on it. Um, so yeah. what do you think about that? It's so important. I mean, obviously for men and women, but um, women on average, it's estimated that we need approximately 30 more minutes of sleep per night than men. So don't feel like you need to go to bed and wake up at the same time as your spouse necessarily, because we do need a little bit more, but we also might need more rest during certain times of our cycle, as Lauren was just saying. So And that's another big difference between male and female biohacking. It's like the men, you know, they can do 16 to 18 hour fasts every day. They can do their cold plunges every day, their sauna sessions, that high intensity workout, right? They can do that any day of the month versus us women, um, you know, week one of our cycle, typically we can fast a little bit better, but maybe cold plunges aren't the best thing. So you do want to alter your biohacking schedule throughout the month. And know that, especially like week one, you do want to do a little bit more resting. So maybe it's more of the yoga, more of the walking, more meditation, mindfulness practice while your spouse is maybe out doing like a CrossFit workout. Okay. So don't (laughs) feel like you need to keep up with them during week one, maybe during week two, you can, maybe you can get by on a little bit less sleep. You can do that harder workout, but just know that throughout the month, it's going to change and I think it's just really important to be mindful of how much time we're spending in a little bit more of that parasympathetic state. So, and I'm totally guilty of this. Like I'm the type A personality, like go, go, go. That's why I burned out by the age of 24. But I think it's okay to have that practice, right? You're, you're busy at work. You're doing the workout, you're picking the kids up, but how do you balance that out with those other restful practices? So whether it's meditation, mindfulness, breath work, maybe a nap. I mean, whatever works well for you to help balance that out, right? We're not going to get rid of all of that sympathetic tone and that stressful stuff, but how do we balance that out? And even something like a heart rate variability, biofeedback or neurofeedback, there's some amazing technology out there that can help us, especially for women to get back into that more restful, restorative state, which is really where the body heals itself, right? I love a good nap, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I'm a napper too, but not everyone can nap. Yeah, I am not a napper. (laughs) Um, Know yourself. But what um, what I also find interesting is our working patterns, because obviously we we are it's like 24 hour day and we were meant to work a certain amount of hours a day but I think it's different for women isn't it than for men the way our bodies do you know what I mean <laughs> Someone yeah. talks. oh go ahead Laura. I mean I there's so many things there I guess if we look at like more of an evolutionary origin men were out hunting, women were at home (laughs) cooking in the kitchen. So less physical exertion. So more opportunities for rest and, you know, women carry more body fat for a reason. We are able to conceive and to build another life inside our body. And that requires fat for a healthy pregnancy and for healthy brains. So I think that just kind of follows that narrative that women should have a little bit more rest 
Mm-hmm. Add on to that, Renee. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. And along with like a daily schedule, if you can, again, build in that restorative time in the, like maybe after lunch, again, like I said, if it's meditation, breath work, napping, whatever works for you. But I think getting past the idea of that taking a break after lunchtime is unproductive or a waste of time. Like maybe the men can keep pushing through the afternoon, but as women just be like, Hey, it's okay to take 20 minutes. This is actually productive for my body and my mind. And just take that 20 minutes, whatever you need. And then I promise you the rest of the day, you'll probably feel a lot better, better energy, mental clarity, less brain fog, but don't feel like you have to keep up with that 24 seven pace. It's okay to take some downtime and recharge and then come back. Yeah. And I think don't compare yourself to someone that isn't a napper. Like I'm not a napper. Renee is a napper. That doesn't mean that I don't have downtime in my day. Like I think everyone needs to build in periods of doing nothing, like just more being rather than doing. And for Renee, that's an actual nap where she gets sleep which, you know, on our data quantification could actually boost your readiness for the day. If I sleep, it's going to reduce my sleep pressure and I'm not going to sleep as well at night, but I do need periods of downregulation because my brain just can't fire on all cylinders all day long. Like, I don't know who can do that. So even though I'm not falling asleep during the day, I am taking periods of reflection, whether that's breath work or meditation, or, you know, just going into the backyard and putting my feet in the grass being a little less productive in the classical sense, but yeah, again, like releasing that shame and guilt of I'm not being productive right now. Like how much more productive are you going to be if you take that five, 10, maybe 15 minutes, whatever it is for you personally. I know on the days when I try to fight through, I'm like, God, I'm not going to take, like, I'm on a roll. I'm in the flow. I'm just going to keep going. But you just feel that battery kind of start to wane. It's like, well, what if you just took a break and then came back to it? That battery is going to be recharged. All batteries need to be recharged. And that's, I don't know, that's the human body. Yeah. Yeah. I find it's so interesting. It was like the mindset of, we've been brought up with the mindset of, if you rest, you're being unproductive or you're being lazy or you're not doing something. But actually resting can be, like you said, a really productive thing. But also with me, because I'm quite a creative person, when I rest, it allows me headspace to think of more creative ideas, think of more like innovative ideas, um, because I'm not always on the go. So it's allowing me to have that time, like a bit of downtime where I can, where my creativity comes through, my ideas come through. So it can be like rest, I think, is very productive <laughs> if, yeah. it's, if it's managed yeah. in the right way. Yeah. yeah. And I've, I have to say, I've always felt like I'm not a creative person, but ever since I have learned how to meditate and do more of these mindfulness practices, I feel creative. And I'm like, oh, that, that, that does exist in my brain. I've just been shutting it out by being in that go, go, go state all the time. But as soon as I am in like a full parasympathetic rest, digest mode all these ideas start spinning I'm like oh my gosh yeah it's amazing yeah it's super amazing actually when I meditate now I take a journal with me and a pen and have it next to me so I can like write down some ideas and things like this that come to mind yeah that's great <laughs> love that so how do you like with your entrepreneurship 
journey as females, obviously creating this space for other females. What made you, or what? why did you choose to do this? To start a podcast? Yeah, to start the podcast and the biohacking um, just platform that you have. I think it's just important to have conversation and to share stories and to share information. Um, personal stories, I think one are really inspiring. So we love to chat with other women. Uh, we have nothing against the male perspective. We just think that there is space for more creativity and flow in, in this industry, in the health industry that is more male dominant. So it's just really important to us to be able to have, you know, just casual, really interesting conversations like this. And that's really what the platform is for. Let's just talk because the more that we talk, the more insights can be gleaned, the more inspiration can, can come out of this, the more we can learn from each other. Yeah. I learned so much more in a conversation than I do in a textbook. Yeah. And I really like the fact, you know, you've got the whole sisterhood aspect of it as well, with you both being sisters, but also supporting other women, other sisters in the sisterhood. I think it's very important to, like you say, have these conversations and so people can listen to different voices and then, yeah, it can support them as well through their own personal journeys. But I think it's really nice having this kind of network of sisterhood as well. Yeah, there's some amazing women in this space. Amazing. Yeah. And I think everyone will resonate with different women, right? We all have our own journeys and our own stories. And, you know, someone might hear my story and be like, wow, I, I have felt the same way. And that really resonates or Lauren's story or your story, Danielle. Right. And so I think the more as women, we can get out there and share this, we're going to just help so many more people. And that's, what's so great about the podcast, right? We can reach people from all around the world Versus like, we love working with our clients one-on-one, but there's only so many hours in the day. Um, there's only, you know, certain time zones that we can stay on. Right. <laughs> so the podcast is really an amazing way to reach more people. Is there any advice that you would give a lady or a woman on this journey of biohacking to start off with? Yeah, I would say just take pen to paper and start creating your own blueprint. Data quantification can be really helpful because sometimes we don't always feel what's happening inside the body. So something like an aura ring or a bio strap to track sleep metrics, HRV, which is a great measure of resiliency, but also just pen to paper is really powerful. A lot of us, again, don't give space for that time of, of just being instead of doing. And it's amazing. Like if you give your, your brain that creative space, whether you think you're creative or not, like Renee said, just giving yourself the space a lot can kind of unfold. And so, you know, get like a giant whiteboard or just get a big journal and just start like mapping things out, just jot down thoughts, feelings, trends, patterns, start to put the pieces together for yourself. You can just think of it as a giant puzzle and know that you have all the answers and it may time take time for that to unfold. But I think patience, trusting your intuition and just eternally being curious that that puzzle will get finished. You can think of it as like a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle, you know, it could be really daunting at first, but if you stay the course and stay determined, you're going to have all those pieces right there within yourself. Is there any like 
tips or tricks <laughs> to um to tell the listeners like if they wanted to just start out on the journey like how they would go about like their day I know it's different for everybody but if you have anything to suggest well I would add to what Lauren said you know for women especially is to make sure you are tracking your cycle you know we always say you should know exactly what day today is are you day two day 15 whatever so if you're not already tracking just buy a thermometer, put it on your nightstand. As soon as you wake up in the morning, take your body temperature. And again, pen and paper, track that. And as you see your temperature change throughout the month, over several months, you will start to learn your cycle. Um, or you can use something like the Aura Ring or the BioStrap you know, to, to get you there a little bit faster. And then lean into that. All the things we were saying, you know, maybe work with a coach or you can even look online as to what you should be doing with your cycle. And I think just to throw maybe one more free biohack onto that, that I love that almost everyone in the world can do is within 30 minutes of waking, get outside and get in the sunshine as much as you can, as many days of the year as you can. I know it's not possible every day, depending on where you live, but that's just something that literally everyone needs. It doesn't matter what age or gender or anything that you are. We all need that morning sunshine within 30 minutes of waking because that's going to signal to the brain, hey, it's morning, let's wake up. It's going to naturally increase that cortisol that we need for the day, supporting your circadian rhythm, which will then actually help you sleep better. So a lot of sleep hygiene things actually start when you wake up in the morning, right? So we don't just turn the light switch off at 10 p.m. and fall asleep and expect it to be a miracle overnight, right? We need to actually prep for our sleep almost the whole day. Mm -hmm. So morning sunshine, please, if you're not already doing that, go do that. Magic will happen when you do that. That's a really good tip. Really, really good tip. Thank you so much. Thank you, girls. Thanks for having us. Thank you again. (laughs)